back to the National Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with the one and only co-host, Ben Bateman. What's going Welcome on, everybody? everybody? Excited to be here. Excited to be talking about Modern. Modern is back, baby. We've been talking about that now for the last few weeks, and uh, it is interesting to see what has happened to our beloved Modern format uh, and to Magic as a whole over the last couple of years. So we have a whole slew of things today on the show to talk about that we want to get to. But before we get into all that... We do want to give a big thank you to the nobles of House Modern, to all of the supporters of the Patreon, patreon.com slash the MMcast. You guys allow us to do what we do here. Uh, Pinky's out. And uh, we are going to continue to try to develop and bring you guys cool new stuff, actually. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff in the pipeline. We won't announce any of it until it's ready, but you, you guys are going to see some pretty fun stuff coming pretty soon. So big thank you to all of you that do support us. And if you're wondering how, check it out. And uh, make sure to check out, uh, we are tonight recording on a live stream on twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley uh, Commander Game with friends. Uh, we do it every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. PST. It's kind of like a late show for a lot of the world, uh, specifically the East Coast. But we have a bunch of cool guests on. Uh, we also are posting those now on the Kess Games YouTube channel. So this, if you're on YouTube right now, this is the MMCast YouTube channel. Kess Games channel, link below, or just search Kess Games or Top Decking, uh, and you'll find it. And that is uh, where all those videos out. Uh, last week we had tapping olivia on uh and then this week we did a whole cdh game that was a really big blast we had mental misplay on and uh uh austin one of the 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 community organizers for the facebook page uh for the mm cast was one of the guests as well as charlotte from the cag so that video comes out this wednesday plus we have olivia and tapping from last week so check that stuff out they're great games all of them across the board it was a real blast um so make sure to check that out every monday live streaming on twitch but then also on youtube now last but not least um make sure to click that affiliate link below there's a tcg player affiliate link costs you nothing if you ever plan have purchased or will maybe one day purchase or are purchasing right now cards on tcg player if you click on that link it just remembers through the magic of the internet that it, we sent you and so if you buy anything in the future they'll remember us and we'll maybe get a kickback on it which is uh one of the many ways you can support the cast including the patron which we mentioned before last but not least click that like button ben Please. will ben will cry if you don't click the like button <laughs> I will be, we, be. I will cry tears. If we don't reach at least a hundred click likes, we'll, we'll Ben will post a TikTok crying. Crying? Yeah. That, you're giving people incentive to not click the like button right now. Uh, but if you get <laughs> if we get to 102, he'll also cry. So it's that like hundred and there's. <laughs> Watch yourself in on that one. Oh no! Uh, All right. Yeah. So Ben, so won't, ben won't cry unless we get to 100 views. If we get to yeah. 100, he'll cry happy tears, and if we don't get it, he'll cry sad tears. Alex is selling me down the river right now. I'm just gonna have to cry. I just want to see Ben cry. All right, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, but today we are talking about. So there's a really interesting thing, and this is a tweet I saw on the internet, and some of our best episodes come from tweets I saw on the internet uh but this one was that if you look at the top x amount uh and we're going to be talking uh 10 15 20 etc uh cards creatures played in modern right now um nine like five of them total uh come from a period printed before war of the spark so since war of the spark all of the top 20 uh, minus five. So 15 of the top 20 uh, have been printed since. And, you know, that that came with kind of the concern of, is this power creep? Is this good for the format? Um, what does that mean? Is that partially just because there are specific decks and archetypes that are seeing play? We're going to get into that a little bit. But kind of just the basic question of, has the power level of the last two years' effect on modern been a net negative, net positive? What does that mean uh, in talking about that? So first, we're going to go over what creatures 
are not from that period. But uh, any any comments before we get into that, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about magic and about really any game um, is that, you know, you you design the thing knowing that you have all these pieces that fit together and the history of all of the stuff gets made up of people's memories of playing certain things, the power level of cards, tournaments, collectability and all that stuff. But, you know, in a vacuum over a few years, that's pretty easy to keep stable. It gets really hard over the amount of time magic has existed. We're going to be going on 30 years pretty soon to keep it consistent because you, number one, you have to find ways to consistently reinvent the actual gameplay itself to keep it interesting for the players. You have to find ways to consistently incentivize people to buy more cards because it is a business. They have to keep the, the, the machine running. And the combination of those two things creates this idea that you need certain factors to keep magic exciting. Now, how true that actually is and how true the justification of those decisions actually like are, I don't know. But what has happened is exactly what you're talking about. And especially over the last several years, we have seen such a crazy, crazy, crazy creep towards uh, there's like a homogenous idea of what makes cards good now on the whole. And it's just rate. Most of the time, it's just rate. The rate has been improved. It has been increased. That has been changed. Occasionally, there's like a new card type, but the rate is often just better. I don't know if I agree with that. I think I think a lot of these cards are more uh, creating different angles of attack, doing something different. Like Loros wasn't isn't a rate thing, right? That's something that was totally new out of left field. Even like endurance or the the incarnations you have sanctifier of invectus doing really well brazen borrower like these are all different things than necessarily what i call right dwathi voidwalker is in the top 15 right that's something different like i don't know if well, rate kai okay you 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 can split it down the middle because what you can say is that what you're referring to which is that this is not these are not increased better versions of previously existing cards that now you just have a one that costs one less right it's not it's not that correct and that's true if you're referring to my concept of rate, what I'm saying is to achieve an effect, what is what are you having to do to get that effect? So if we use the example of the incarnations, for instance, having a card that allows you to at instant speed shuffle away your opponent's graveyard, to, that and you can do it without mana, it's free from, from another card in your hand, but that also has the back end of being a flash creature that's a 3-4, that's a pretty good rate to be able to do all of that. Like It's a pretty good way to be able to accomplish that, that prior to that card being printed, we didn't have the ability to do it for that cheap. There were cards that at instant speed could shuffle the graveyard. There were cards that could exile certain cards. There were creatures that did cool things. Scavenging well, Ooze was an interesting take. And, and that's more my point, right, is that we had cards that couldn't do this. Like it's not like like to me, power creep is more dangerous when it's like I think I think uh, Raghavan is like a good example of power creep, right? Like this is a more powerful card than Goblin Guide. Yeah. And and like for the same mana cost, for the same basic idea of a one mana, two power attacking creature for in red that can even have haste, uh, it like is doing pound per pound a lot more things. Dragon Rage Channeler, to be honest, is a power creep of Delver of Secrets. Uh, like nothing is a power creep of Delver of Secrets. It will always be the OG, Alex. Yeah, a original gangster <laughs> this is this is the modern gangster that like they're back in the day with a top hat and a pinstripe suit and a tommy gun and ragavan and, and dragon rage channeler is like hacking into banks and just like down you know and stealing millions of dollars without people knowing right like it's a totally different ball game <laughs> Fair. uh and like so yes like there there's there's there are cards here that i think are directly comparable to cards that have increased in power some of them through different modes right like it's not like dragon rage channeler and 
uh, Raghavan are doing the same thing those cards are doing, and they are, were trying to do something different. But I do agree that there is some level of 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 power increase and and is that a good or bad thing like like to me i i go i go two ways right like we had a one of our best episodes last year was was modern has become a rotating film and if you haven't listened to that episode i highly recommend it it came out right during the companion moment and it was dealing with this era, right? Like War of the Spark into Modern Horizons 1 into M20, which to be totally honest, it was extraordinarily influential, uh, into uh, Eldraine, which we all know was extremely powerful, Theros Beyond Death into Ikoria. And it was a lot. <laughs> like uh, just cards that have blue green in it. You had Eldric or the evolution card from War of the Spark into yeah. the snake into <laughs> uh, Oko into Uro. Uh, but um, and then into Karuga, I guess. Um, but the the in the midst of that moment, it felt so intense to be like the format is just every single month. Cards are being banned, totally drastically changed ending in now where modern horizons 2 has come out basically the word on the street is don't ban anything uh like i i sent out a tweet of if you're going to ban one of these cards what do you get rid of it was relatively close but don't ban is currently winning um urza's uh bob not urza's bobble mr bobble was 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 probably the most commented on should be banned if they're like don't ban anything but if you need to ban mr's bobble which we talked with uh zach allen a few weeks ago and that was his kind of opinion as well i will get it into that in a second and then urza saga but for the most part people are like relatively fine with the health of the format and i think there's something that's really interesting that's happened right yes the top 20 cards being primarily from recent sets is has rotated the format drastically now we had COVID in the middle of it so the fact that like modern kind of went away for a second so the metagame was going to be a drastic shift anyways from people playing a year ago and people playing now but now, this in some ways makes the format a lot more affordable, especially with Fetchlands now going for, you know, I can get a Scalding Turn for $35. Uh, and which, by the way, etched foils right now, buy them. They're dirt cheap. <laughs> it's cra- uh, it, is, it is crazy. I can't believe like the old border etched foils, how, how inexpensive they are compared to what I expected them to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad because I got a Scalding Turn one. I might like switch it back out uh, in cast because it's no longer like the more premium version of the ones I own. But <laughs> uh, the it's the one I opened. I was super hyped and it's like worth the least of all of these. Um, but the like the fact that the mana base right now in modern is pretty cheap. I mean, it's still expensive, right? Compared to other things, but compared yeah. to other times in history, pretty, very inexpensive. And the creatures have all been printed within the last two years. Yes. A lot of them for modern horizon sets, but even then, like a lot of these cards aren't that expensive. Like modern might be one of the most affordable places to get into modern that in history been. that's ever been. Right. And like, I mean, I, so I, to, to add to your point there, when we get to the idea of, of that we're kind of in that same moment again with sets being printed and the power level creeping so fast, um, one of the things that came out of that old era from a few years ago was uh, while there were bans that happened and people were, you know, people responded the way they responded, a lot of people got into playing modern during that time. The first Horizons was a big boon to the format. People mm-hmm. loved it. People loved talking about it. They loved buying it. They loved drafting it. Horizons 2 is still very available. It's a still a relatively new set. Your store probably has packs selling for close to what they were selling for when the first when the set was first getting opened. And a lot of it got opened. 
tons of it got open. Lots and lots and lots and lots of people bought it. So you can get a lot of the staples fairly inexpensive. And, and the thing that's so funny about Magic's economy is that it always seems like in the moment when it's getting open and things are low, people people miss the moment because they're like, ah, I mean, it's just so maybe I'm not buying into this thing and it's going to it'll just stay where it is. And every once in a while, you'll get like I remember I bought a bunch of the pain lands from Horizons one about a whole bunch of them. I was like, oh, these are great. There's no way these don't go up. They mostly didn't go up. Literally everything else from that set that I could have bought for dirt cheap went up. Like, 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 like literally everything else. And so if you look at like what you can get right now in Horizons 2 and just what's popular in the format, it's a great time to be getting in. It's a great time to be stocking up and beefing up your collection. Um, and I do think that we're in another period of growth. Uh, but the thing is, the question people probably ask is, how long will the cards that we're opening now be around for? How long will these be the cards? You know, how, how, when's the next big shakeup, big rotation that we're going to see? Well, I think I think we have two things there, right? One, Wizards has heard loud and clear that the power creep of the last two years was untenable, right? Like they they've realized that they went maybe too far above the line, and you can see that with Strixhaven and the um, most recent set, right? The 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 Forgotten Realms. Neither of those sets showed up, and we're like. We broke magic. Here's five different cards that need to be banned out of multiple formats. Maybe one or two cards are really good, right? But that's like how the world used to be is like one to five cards from a set would see significant play in eternal formats and otherwise wouldn't see play. Um, Modern Horizons 2 isn't that, but Modern Horizons 2 is also express purpose was to print powerful cards into modern. So it's it's kind of hard to say like, oh, that had 20 cards that are seeing play now when like that was that that was the job they were that was what they were attempting to accomplish <laughs> so that one's a little harder to point at and even even um Kaldheim Kaldheim like Kaldheim yes. hasn't been that influential like across the board right like there are some cards that are obviously powerful from the set but it's not like it's breaking any format so like the last three sets have not been nearly as powerful as that year before that and oh my god I mean the war of the spark moment is one of the craziest that's one of the craziest moments ever. Like it's there's there were so many cards all at once from all different angles that we were talking about, and they all seemed on some level like they equally needed to be banned, uh, and and all kind of for fairly obvious reasons. Like it's like a lot of what we're seeing right now, the stuff that I was talking about a second ago. With this is a version of this effect we haven't seen before. It's very convenient to accomplish it. That's what pushes the power level up. I would say that we haven't settled in, in turn into like. What uh, which of these decks is going to stick around? You know, which sure. of these decks is going to get solved? Which like maybe like the two cards that we've talked about that are most likely, you know, Ragavan, uh, Ragavan being the third, but like uh, Mishra's Bobble and Urza Saga, they're both colorless. They both go into any deck that you want right. them to. You know, that's maybe the biggest concern there. And Astrolab got banned for that same reason. But like, I don't even. No, I think I think there's an argument that from. From War of the Spark to Ikoria, and maybe if you want to stretch it to Zendikar. But I, I would like like War of the Spark to Ikoria, that one year, is the most powerful year in magic history. Yeah, I would agree. Like and I don't think I don't think it comes close. I don't even think Urza Saga, which obviously had very powerful cards in it, was was and I, I like Affinity's issue was homogenization it wasn't power level it's just like all of the powerful cards were colorless so every deck could just play all of the powerful cards urza saga was powerful cards and a lot of them were broken in a way that some of these cards might not be but the glut of powerful cards is the difference like there are so that's many that's what i was gonna say yeah you go back and you look at the cards 
this is something that's really, you can't do this now because the Urza sets are so expensive to open packs, but it used to be five, six years ago, you could go to a GP and you could do a chaos draft and you could spend 30, 40 bucks on like a pack of like Urza's legacy or Urza's destiny. And you could even spend like $75 on a pack of Urza's saga and like throw it in for fun. Now it's like, I don't even know how much, like $800 or a thousand dollars for a pack of saga. But, um, you know, if you open those packs in a, in a chaos draft, they're awful because the vast majority of the cards in those packs is horrible. They're, they're, they're terrible cards. Like their power level by and large in the set is very low. It's just that the power level of the few cards is so busted. That's where, that's like where the difference is between a powerful set now and a powerful set. Then you look at like what happens in war of the spark and like, there's like 17 cards in war of the spark that are excellent, like right. phenomenally good cards. Right. And like even the stuff that's a little below it, like because the rate you get now with commons is so much better, they're still all push. That's the real power creep. That old stuff and same with affinity. Most of the cards in those packs, they're very low power, like the, the un, extremely underpowered sure. compared I mean, to the big ones. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think some of that is wizards having a better understanding of all of the audiences they're trying to make cards for. Right. And like capitalizing on that, which some people complain about. Right. They don't like that. Wizards is currently targeting commander players separate from modern players separate from standard players separate from draft separate from uh popper separate from legacy etc there's a lot of people that are in cube i guess would be the other one there's a lot of people i think out there that wish that wizards went back to like we're only focusing on standard uh and draft and that's it we're kind of also mediumly wild with draft where we'll do everything from uh like a weird set like zendikar all the way to innistrad um and that's it, right? That's all we're going to focus on. And then and then we have the archetypes. We have the Timmy cards. We have the Johnny cards, which are like weird cards that don't actually do anything. Timmy cards that are like just very expensive bad cards. And then we have the Spike cards, which is the main audience that we're designing for. And now it's a lot more like, no, no, those psychographics don't really exist. <laughs> there is <laughs> commander players that have that that aren't that are now better understood than ever before. There's dr limited players, which like every set that they come out with is a much better math focus on understanding of what a limited set needs to be there's standard players that you know that is a continued development and then there's modern internal formats etc and they're much more targeted with understanding what's good in those formats and what is going to appeal to those types of players than i think they've ever been which means that the sets are a little bit more hyper engineered to appeal to the widest possible audience or have cards that make sure that they appeal to everything which does raise the power level right you don't end up having sure. like most cards are draft chaffed Right. They try to they try to make it an interesting experience for all players of all varieties to open packs. They want packs to be exciting, which is another reason that they've seen so much. Yeah, you know, so, so much of the focus you're talking about with those player specific ideas of this is what this pack is for. This is what this product is for. This is who should buy it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's I, I do think some of that is also like I think a weird I think two weird things. And that was something I found out in that rewatch I did of our like modern horizons one prediction. The other thing that changed into this period, which I feel like gets ignored is the London Mulligan rule. Oh, sure. Like sure, in right. that episode, we were talking about it being tried out at that modern pro tour that was coming up. And like, we even had a long conversation of like, will they ban anything out of Phoenix? And we don't think they will because they have a data set on what the magic format, modern format looks like with this current Mulligan rule. And they're going to want to see what it looks like in comparison with the new Mulligan rule. And how does that work? So like, I 
I do think that has had a pretty significant effect on just like the power level of decks in general or how consistent power level can be, which has which is, I think, one of the reasons that so many cards have been banned more than anything. I don't think that necessarily has affected too much what we're talking about today, actually. But I think the the high quantity of bannings in every format have been caused more by that rule change than than even necessarily the power level of the cards. The well, yeah, more control. It's more control over the way the game's going to go. So right. the margins of the cards being pushed to be a little bit, you know, flying a little closer to the sun in terms of their I, one word that I think that we don't really uh, we don't use or like a concept that we don't I feel like reference often enough is that the reason these things happen, the reason that power creep happens, it's because opening out of packs and drawing in your hand cards that are exciting and pleasing is fun. It's what makes magic fun. It's fun for every single player at every level, whether it's a new player or a seasoned player. When you open your opening hand in any deck and you see a bunch of cards that are awesome, that do really powerful, cool things that are efficient, that's so much more fun than having to fight to make weak cards work. And I think that's it's ultimately like you have that serotonin hit that happens when you get an opening hand that's got like a soul ring in it uh, in, in commander or like if you're talking about in the old days of phoenix like that opening hand that had like two phoenixes and a faithless looting was just like oh my god this is gonna be so good this is gonna be so much fun oh my god this is incredible and then faithless looting gets banned because like exactly those types of cards are the types of cards that push things to be too far in that direction so i think that the design of all of these cool interesting powerful cards is a direct reference to the fact that that's what magic players like I would so much rather play with powerful cards and I've said this before on the show and have them be banned than play with weak cards and get bored of playing magic. Sure. And a lot of the cards that have been banned have been weird and cool, right? Like it's not like Oko and Uro and Field of the Dead aren't like cool and powerful, but in a way that cards really weren't before that. So it's all been exciting. It's just it's all been a little bit too over the line. And and, and I see that happening. The other, the other one I wanted to mention uh, beyond just the rules change was best of one yeah is the other thing that's been introduced and specifically the involvement of of uh cards designed for like versatility in best of one is i guess kind of the point i i want to make with it where like there's a lot more charms there's a lot more this card does four different things there's a lot more abrades there's a lot more commands there's a lot more i mean honestly the stuff like endurance is a great example where like endurance is a hate card that i'm fine playing in my main deck because sometimes it's just a three four for three for flash and like that's a good enough card and then sometimes and that's I'll good, eat, yeah. yeah sometimes i'll just eat their their graveyard or, or save cards in my graveyard that i need to protect so like, I think that the focus on best of one also is a layered, like, reasoning for, like, just just the, like, the overall quality of every card being a little bit better because they are meant to be more, like, sideboard cards are less of a thing that exists. You no longer have the the luxury of, like, oh, if I run against an artifact player, I can bring in my shatters, right? It's like, oh, no, I need a card in my deck that can do shatter accidentally while it does its normal game plan. Otherwise, I can never beat this deck or this deck will become too powerful in the format and then we won't we'll get overrun by it which is kind of like why you get karn right the 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 great creator that like just like has or, stony silence attached or it's the other reason that you get so many of these cards that are swiss army knives maybe the effect the, the effect that the card has is not that high but like it does three different things right those commons that keep coming out that are like choose one and you have three relevant legitimate things uh more charms you have um 
you have those, you have more split cards, you know, you like, like I, I remember loving incubation incongruity a few years ago when that card got printed into the last Ravnica set. And like, the reason I loved that card so much was because I loved that for one man, I'd be able to dig into the thing I needed. And I loved that for three mana later in the game, I had the ability to get a piece of removal. And those are two things I love doing. And that card right. wasn't that powerful, but it was everything I wanted. And I was totally willing to play that card for exactly that reason. Well, and, and like charms are powerful, right? There's a reason that every pro player on the planet loves a charm or loves a modal spell. And it's because they give you really good optionality that doesn't look powerful on the face uh, for face value. You're getting a bunch of different things and you, and like all of them seem tell, kind of mediocre or just okay, or just under rate. But because you're getting to choose between three under rate options, they're all now above rate. Cause not only like do you get that medium rate option that's normally pretty playable, but you will have the option you need in every situation. And like, that's a level of power creep that I think isn't talked a lot about, about a lot and is definitely a thing that you look in here and, and you see that, right? Like brazen borrower is a great example of that. Like you see a lot of these cards that have those type of options going with them in this list of cards that it makes sense that they're are as powerful as they are. I mean, it is it is so fascinating for us to look at the look at the statistics, though, and look at like in some cases you have new cards that have made huge leaps and bounds, right? Like you some in some areas you talk about it, the creatures have made. But in other areas, like the top spell and the top card is still just lightning bolt. And it wasn't always <laughs> it wasn't always sure. like it, but it, it has been for a huge, huge amount of modern. They've never found a way to get past the fact that that's just perfect for modern it's exactly correctly designed right and and but on the other hand if you look like yeah that's that's the interesting counterpoint to like the top five, 15 of the top 20 creatures in modern are were printed in the last two years is only like nine of the top 20 in spells in modern non 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 creatures were printed at that time now that's still 50 percent yeah. give or take right and so it's still a significant include because like right after lightning bolt is prismatic ending right and then brand new yeah and then mystics dispute is number six you have force of negation at number nine um counterspell and unholy heat at 11 and 12 force of vigor at 13 to fairy time Raveler at 14 soul guide lantern at 15 of all things aether gust veil of summer and, and shadow spear right like that's that's a lot of honestly wild cards the fact that shadow spear is a top 20 card in modern is like really really dope it's just because of how it's just because of how powerful hammer time is that's why oh, it's yeah, just I such a it. popular deck I, I get it it's just it's cool like i don't I, alpine like, I'm moon not, is that high i didn't really people play the alpine moon i'm i, I guess it's I've like a good that. urza's saga answer i guess hmm. that doesn't lock you out um which everyone should be playing. Uh, uh, what's it called? What's the red white? Uh, yeah, here we go. Wear and tear. Wear and tear, everybody. Yeah. That kills Urza Saga for one mana. That's an insane card. People should be playing in their main decks. <laughs> yeah, so like there is a lot of cards here. I think that like going into this this era and, and this would come to the point of the episode, right? Like let, let's kind of go through not necessarily the list. Let's, let's first talk about the five cards in commonly played creatures in modern the most the top five not recent cards in modern are stoneforge mystic at number six recently well, when you say when you say recent do you mean like like cards that are not printed in the last two or three years you're saying so cards like that were not printed since around. war of the spark war, that that's like the title of the episode right is it's not that but it's it's war of the yeah, spark yeah, yeah. onward so it's like, yeah, so, so you were saying so stoneforge at six and snapcaster at seven that's yeah. that's the big that's the big two classics 
Uh, uh, then you go Emrakul at 15 or wow. 14. Emrakul at 14. That's, incre- that's incredible. Uh, Ornithopter and Mimnite at 18 and 19. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then, go to the- and then like there is arguments about Shardless Agents inclusion on because it's old, because it's an old card that we finally just have in modern. Yes, um, like like was that printed in the last years? It was added weeks ago, right? But yes, so so in the top twenty, Memnite, Ornithopter, Emrakul, Snapcaster Mage, and Stormforge Mystic are the only cards that were legal in modern two years ago. And I, Stormforge Mystic is also debatable. <laughs> um, so it's like a weird. It's a weird list. It's weird that all of this power has come out since then and like has totally drastically changed the creature landscape of the format. You don't have goblin guides on here. You don't have voice of resurgences. You don't have basically anything out of Malira combo. You don't have um, that kind of look at the format. Now, on the other hand, the archetypes that are seeing play are pretty, pretty wide. And and to be honest, like not necessarily that different than what was good before, right? You have a blue-red tempo list. You have Jund-esque lists. You have, uh, like, the... what One thing that is interesting is you have, because of the elementals, you now have, like, eight different Cascade lists. Like, that has become its own thing. Hammer Time is the best deck in the format. Like, it's, it's a weird... It's a weird situation of just, like, what are the best decks? Humans is now top, you know, top... 25 decks in the format at the moment so like i think there is there is an interesting space on like the the format is healthy in the sense that it is a wide open variety of archetypes right like if you, if you have a style of play you want to play there is an available option to you it's healthy in the sense that it's affordable and it's the way it's unhealthy is if you had a magic modern collection before 20 18 most of your non-land cards are now less powerful or less played than they were yeah i think also getting back to our point initially about the the what makes the new power powerful like and i mentioned rate well so if you go look at the things that are in the top Luris is the number one creature, right? And that's a very unique card. The, the idea of Luris existing, how it works, the way you put it in your hand, even just a card that allows you to do that thing, that's all very unique. And that's kind of the one thing when you, when you talk about what pushes power in Magic. One of them is new card types. And the companion rule and the way that that works and plays is a new card type. That's, that's not something we had seen before. On the other hand, you look at number two, Raghavan is number two. Well... Raghavan is number two for a lot of reasons, but the biggest reason is because it's doing everything that you wanted Goblin Guide to do, plus like 10. It's not as fast, but it's just going to replace it in any of the decks that you would have played Goblin Guide. It's just going to give you more. It's going to give you more reach. It's a more interesting card to have in your hand, so you're going to play that card. So that's why Goblin Guide is not here. You go, you third, you look at Dragon's Rage Chandler. If you said it's a better, more evolved version of Delver, that's probably true. What it really is is Delver that allows you to have more control over it being the card you want it to be. Whereas Delver was very random and you had to just like let the game come to you sometimes. In modern, especially, you didn't have a lot of great ways to make Delver Delver, right? Yeah, it's it's Delver that is it's Delver that has better tools to make it into a Delver secrets that also draws you a third of a card every time you cast a spell. Totally. And so then (laughs) you you go down to, you know, skip a couple here, but you look at Brazen Borrower, it's like, why is Brazen Borrower so good? Why is Vendillion Click not on this list? The reason is because a three mana spell that you play and gets lightning bolted, it was really good in the old modern. 
This one also has an effect, but it counts as a spell that is part of a combo and then also has the same body and isn't legendary. Like, it's doing a lot of the same stuff that you would have wanted a click to do, get you getting you an effect. It's just doing it in a way that is more pleasing, more comfortable, and allows just more optionality for the decks that want to play it. One thing, one thing I do think that's interesting about this list is you mentioned new card types, and other than Ra- Ragavan, Dragon Rage Channeler, and Sanctifier Envet, and Stoneforge Mystic Stone Snapcaster Mage, which existed in the format uh, amongst themselves. Every other card is basically a new card type, right? Luros, companion, new type of card. Yeah. Uh, Endurance, Solitude, and Fury, which I have a conversation about Fury in a second. But Fury, Solitude, and and Endurance are all new card types, right? The the, the Incarnation is a new card. Like, it, it is a card thing that didn't really exist before. Free spells that are also creatures that cantrip in that way. Uh, Brazen Borrower with its ability to, you know, with the adventure mechanic is also kind of a new card type. It like Brazen Borrower, the, the adventure mechanic plus the, uh, incarnation mechanic reinvented the entire concept of what cascade decks look like in modern. Yeah. Right. Like in that, like just totally by themselves, both of those mechanics existing together, finally kind of put those over the edge. So it's, it's interesting how in that top 10 and even 11, if you had subtlety, subtlety uh you have that kind of that 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 vibe so it's it's an interesting look at what's how coming up with new concepts really recreates stuff and even if you go down to the top 20 croaks Titan of death's hunger new card type the titan the titan escape mechanic was like basically a new thing uh on its own as well so it's been really interesting watching kind of like all these different things i mean no hierarchy is number 34 that's crazy there was there was a time when noble hierarch was the number one most played creature in the format like that was, was the yes thing. yes it was always in the top five it was not even just there was an era it, like most of modern history noble hierarch was in the top five spells in the format like it used to be a joke right it was lightning bolt literally every color had a one mana spell it was yeah, lightning yeah, yeah. bolt path to exile swords to plowshare not pl- uh, lightning Thoughtsy. bolt path thoughtsies and then sometimes it would be inquisition to close like depending on the metagame um Serum Visions. Serum Visions and Noble Hierarch. And, and Noble Hierarch. And like they're all one mana and they're always in the top five. And then it was Tarmogoyf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was a joke that like Noble Hierarch is a spell because it would be, it would fit with the rest of them. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy list of like cards that you kind of see here at what's seeing the most play. And I do think, oh, Elemental's Plank Kahira is really j- funny too. But I do think, like as far as health of the format goes it's hard for me to say that this is a bad thing i like I, last year it was and 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 friends i am a person sitting here with jund and blue white control from last year haven't even touched it since modern horizons come out Sleeve to, to like re refix them to the new mechanic i love them too much to like figure out how i want to like take half of the cards i love out to put in new stuff i i like as a modern boomer, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like sympathize with the fact that decks that I loved are no longer viable necessarily. Like I'm no longer sitting here as a Jun player being like Liliana the Veil is a card I should be playing. That hurts. The The fact that uh, like, but that's also something that's always existed. It just feels like it rapidly happened. But like, 
it's been th- two years since Mo- or a year and a half since Mox Opal was banned. Affinity wasn't even good at that point. Like Affinity had been bad for two years before that. People asking for Affinity to come back were like already out of the meta game at that point. Like Heliod Green White decks replace kind of what the Birthing Pod list, and those decks will come back based on the meta game. Like some of these decks haven't disappeared, right? Jund will always like randomly top eight every tur- a tournament because it's just Jund players are going to be having played Jund for so much longer. So. Is it is the metagame healthy? Yes. Is the metagame inexpensive? Yes. Is the metagame fun? All signs point to yes. Point to yes. Do you think do you think that the decks we're seeing, the types of decks that we're seeing be so common and dominate? Do you think it's that they're tighter and faster and more consistent? And that's what people and that's what the format is now. It's like doing more things for nothing, doing more things for one mana, using all your mana like always sort of having an answer everything kind of having a multi-purpose like the the concept of a really fair deck being really good now um it doesn't feel like really fair mid-range and control decks are really a thing at the moment like i know there are some i know blue white control is definitely a thing like people do play blue white control but like looking at the top five but like urza urza stoneblade is in the top in the top decks in the format, right? And has been basically since the format started. And like it's a Priest of the Fells, Grief, Stoneforge, Mystic, Reanimate, slash, like this deck is sweet, right? And that's like pretty mid-rangey. Yes, you're doing the reanimate thing, but that's pretty dope. You have control decks that are like like Jeskai Control is still a deck, right? That hasn't gone away. You still have Lightning Bolts, Paths, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria based decks. It's playing a Timeless Dragon, right? You can't be that fast if you're playing a Timeless Dragon. Um, so like, I do think that, hey, it's still got one Celestial Colonnade, right? Celestial Colonnade still a modern staple. <laughs> I guess there's like a, there's like a Grixis, good, there's like a Grixis good stuff deck that people play. Mm-hmm. It looks like that's in the top five um i've seen this deck before uh yeah i mean I, that that's fair i still look at what's in here and i feel like what it's I, what you're either doing is fast or unfair not unfair in a bad way but unfair in like a you just don't really have a whole lot of like by turn four i'm in control of the game types of decks here you have a lot of like just real real power out the gate you might win on you might just like close the game out on turn three right even if you don't win till turn four yeah i mean like Bant soul blade is still in the top like it's like, you know, 2% of decks are, are playing it. And that's like got an Ice Fang Codal, Spell Queller, Jace the Mind Sculptor based deck. Like, I, I don't know. It feels like the format is still, I think, I think a few things are happening, right? It's, it's still in flux. And when a format is in flux, it sucks to be a control deck, <laughs> right? Like you, you don't want to be playing Jund and like hope your removal lines up when then you're like, oh, I'm playing against a Cascade deck that's cheating Emrakul and play. Great. Oh, right, I'm, right, right. Oh, oh, like, oh, I like could have beaten that deck if I had like brought the right hate cards in or the right hate cards in my sideboard or the right cards in my main deck. I didn't. And so I'm going to lose because there's like 18 different decks that are trying to figure out who's actually good right now. And that's true with blue white control. Those are a little bit more tempo or, or a little bit better at like having hard answers to everything and getting counterspell obviously really helped. Um, you know, what I actually see one of the major, one of the major differences between this format and like the formats in years past. I think the ability to come up with a really clever, fair, cool deck, like a brew that isn't using exceptionally powerful cards is really hard to do. I think that we're we're I think we're being told by the design, and I think in a positive way, 
these are th this is what the cards you are going to play with now need to be able to do. You need to be able to play at this level because if you don't play at this level, you won't be able to compete with these cards. You just won't like we're not like do you know what I'm saying? Like the the whole concept of like all the brews that I used to come up with in the old days, it doesn't feel like there's space to brew like that. It feels like brewing now is you got to be playing good cards. You have to brew with good cards. And if you brew with good cards, you can compete with established decks, but you can't brew with Mirrors of Burian. But I would, or like a, I would or a argue, card of that caliber. I would, I would argue that like at the time, Mirror Superior was under the power level that you could brew with, right? Like you, it was just under, so you were able to squeak by by like taking advantage of it in different ways. Like I don't think that's changed too much, but like there's still brews happening. I mean, I've tweeted a bunch of them recently, right? Of people coming up with like there was a new Jund list that was really cool that I saw, or uh, there's like the Toski Stoneblade decks that are just like totally out of left field and are playing Ice Fang Codals to do cool stuff that Michael has been working on. I've seen like really cool rug decks. I like I've seen decks doing new and interesting things i mean hell this blue it, this just got control list is playing four counterspell four archmage charms and two cryptic commands yeah. uh and this and four snapcaster mage right like this is this deck has existed since the beginning of the format and just now it has counterspell so it doesn't have to like worry about <laughs> is remand or deprive better <laughs> and so like i don't know i think like I think you can brew in this format. I think like the black white stone blade list I saw was actually totally different than what I planned on seeing. I was walking into that expecting clicking on the list and seeing a, uh, a group of just like very powerful control cards, path thoughtsies, whatever. And this is a priest of fell rights, ashen rider, Sarah emissary grief, stone forge, mystic Liliana, the vile ephemerate Malachir rebirth, uh, uh, persist uh, unmarked grave deck, right? Like this is like a dope black white reanimator deck that just happens to have Stoneforge Mystic to cheat Cauldra complete into play once in a while. That's so tight. I was brewing this on my phone during preview season. And the fact <laughs> that this is now on like the top 20 list means that there's still stuff to do. And when new cards come out, there's always going to be brew potential. Does it mean you have to be playing with newer cards? Probably, but like that was that's that was more my point. I don't think it was to say that you can't brew with Mere Superior or of the like. It means that I think the idea of going backwards and pulling po powerful cards that were always on the fringe that you wanted to do something cool with, the kind of cards that were always lurking around, they're they're not powerful enough even if you take advantage of their payoff to compete with the new stuff. That's my point, right? Like like Mere Superior was powerful enough that if you took advantage of a two mana five six in the right way, it could compete barely. Like it was under the line. Getting a two mana five six right now in modern for any rate is just not really that good. It's just not really good enough. Like, but that like look at Hammer Time. That's what Hammer Time is. Hammer Time is a pile of terrible cards <laughs> that like happen to like work to get like literally Hammer Time is doing what you were trying to do with Mere Superior. I'm gonna play this uh one mana equipment that like has an equip cost of eight right so this is a yeah. uncastable card this this that is a comparable text box to mere superior being a two mana five four sure. that you are not allowed to cast with mana right and then i'm yep. going to play random stuff like stoneforge mystic pure steel paladin sigarda's aid ingenious smith to like sneak this card into being a good card 
and 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 be at a rate that's like good enough to kill people. Like I, I don't know if I've seen a more mere superior superior burning cocoa esque <laughs> moment than Hammer Time being the best deck in the format. Right. <laughs> we also have the fact that the, the Demir Mill deck is now in the top is in the top ten decks. Yeah, like, absolutely. And this deck, this deck was always like the deck that I wanted to build. It plays the it plays eight crabs, and then yeah, I mean, I think the big you know the big stuff that that grew because you still have the archive traps. But, you know, uh, Tasha's hideous laughter was a, was a big add to the deck mm-hmm. and Fractured Sanity. The, both those two cards together and a little while back, we got Maddening Cacophony. We got that like a year ago now, I guess, mm-hmm. the last Zendikar set. But really, the big ones were Fractured Sanity and Tasha's hideous laughter. And it's interesting because at three mana, all they're doing is replacing Mind Funeral and Fractured Sanity is just supposed to be a take on Sanity grinding. You don't play the you don't even this deck doesn't even play Glimpse the Unthinkable. That's how crazy this deck is. Like that was the card. Glimpse the Unthinkable was two mana mill ten, right? That was what you wanted to be doing. Mm-hmm. Maddening Cacophony, the whole reason uh, that you want to do it is because if it was kicked, you get half of their library. So for six mana, you're getting you're getting traumatized as opposed to five, but you're still getting eight cards for two on the front end. So it's fascinating to see now we're at a point where the best two mana mill card ever printed to this point is, isn't even in the blue black mill deck. That's wild. Yeah, that's fair. But it's also possible that Jacquard was bad and they needed different. I don't know. Like, like uh, to me, it's like the fact that Elementals is in the top 5% of the decks. Like the Elementals are the new, like we've kind of said for years, Elementals could be the next spirits or it could be the next humans. Like they're printed enough. They get powerful enough cards. You just need a good yeah. enough. And like new cards that got printed broke old cards that made weird, cool combination. That's the beauty of modern, right? Is like, oh, this new card works differently with this old card in a way we never thought would happen. I didn't realize that like, like I was going to be able to be triggering Risen Reefs with like free spells. Right. <laughs> like the fact that Risen Reef is a tier one modern card right now is like dope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that card's really sweet. And that card fits the bill of like medium power in a mo- in, in like a um, core set that like people paid attention to and liked in standard. And then it's like, let's find a way to abuse this. And of course, then the printing of the incarnations. Yeah. And, your, and your point about the mill deck, part of it is also like. It's what happened with with uh, uh, death right, not death right shaman decks, um, Gitaxian probe and uh, death, death shadow, shadow? Decks, right? Yeah. Where it was like before Gitaxian probe was banned, people thought that was the card you were supposed to do with it. This is such a obviously powerful card that synergizes in an obvious way that I should be playing this card. This is the deck and what it should look like. I should be just going all in on giving this guy double strike because I have the ability to play that glass cannon game and it still works. And that's like powerful but non-resilient and then people realized oh if you play the more resilient version of these cards and you're like a turn slower you're gonna win every game right 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 your your win percentage is now at 60 percent versus 50 percent but the 50 percent were blowouts or losses (laughs) and so like that's what i think happened with 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 that right they've just printed cards that that card was always the pound for pound most mill cards for the least amount of mana, but it didn't do anything else. And that was the problem mill decks had. Now they have a bunch of different options that do something more. For... Well, there's also there's also other things too, right? There's other things that I think are really interesting about uh, the cards that are in this this mill deck. Remember back in the day when you used to play mill and people would side in Leyland of Sanctity against you and you would just like slump in your chair? Right. 
Well, this deck has Tasha's Hideous Laughter, Fractured Sanity, and Maddening Cacophony, all of which say each opponent. Right. None of them target. All three of those cards are able to win the game, even if your opponent gets Hexproof. So that's pretty important. Uh, that, that's that's pretty that's pretty important. Archive Trap is the only card in the deck left that is doing exactly that thing. Even Ruin Crab is each opponent, right? It's it's basically the two old cards left are the ones that I played in my deck from years ago, which are Archive Trap and Hedron Crab. But everything else now is each opponent, so it gets around targeting. So it's like Glimpse just targets. Glimpse becomes a useless yeah. card in, in round two if they have Hexproof. Right, 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 right. And like... Yeah, getting the extra crab, getting like, and yeah, I think it's just like, yeah, you're, I, I agree with that. And like, cryptic incursion is also not to be underrated. I, I do think that like, yes, cards have become outclassed in some ways, but also some of those cards were just never gonna like. There was never gonna be a mill deck that worked with that card for the reason you just described. No matter how much the, you tried, there was never going to be a tier one mill deck that was that was the the pillar of what that deck was trying to do. Like if you draw enough glimpses, you'll win. <laughs> right. Like that that deck was never going to be modern competitive. This version of the deck where they've gone past one of its main weaknesses, gotten the redundancy it's needed and like been able to play around in that space is now seeing a ton of play, which is really cool. Yeah, I think honestly, if you look at the if over the last 30 days, if you look at the top 15 finishing decks, I actually think it's a really awesome, really healthy format. I think it's doing a lot of really cool stuff. You have some classic car, some classic decks in here that feel like the stuff we've seen for years. Amulet Titan, um, you know, con- blue white control, is it tempo, right? These are decks that we've seen forever. You have some really, really humans. You have some really cool decks that are interesting and new, janky, like Hammer Time. The Crashing Footfalls deck is such a cool deck, right? Mill. These are these are fun and interesting and new. And then you have uh basically updates on classic styles that are just pushing things in a different direction. So like Rakdos Lurus, right? That's Rakdos Lurus is basically just like a version of like the old uh, 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 red, white, black Pyromancer decks or like, you know, Blitz. The blue, red Blitz deck is basically the same thing as the old green, red Blitz decks, right? It's just it's just taking advantage of it's just taking advantage of a bunch of things that synergistically deal tons of damage in the first several turns of the game. Uh, but it like the, a lot of these decks still play exactly the same way. And I think that most things that you want to be doing are represented here. Maybe the one thing I don't see in the top 15 decks as much that is a little surprising is what you were talking about. We don't, we don't have Jund and, and green, white, black. And like, it's 1% of the metagame 1.1. I'm just looking in the last 30 days at the the top 15 finishing decks. That's all I'm saying. And I'm just surprised to to see Jund is not in the top 15 finishing decks over the last 30 days. And it's, it's very possible that the reason is because Jund always, always and always, except for back in the day when it played Death Ray Shaman, was really just playing the best cards on curve. Like it was trying to play the best, most powerful disruptive cards on curve. And right now, if you're going to do that, if you're going to try to curve out with things that are powerful, you need to be a turn faster than that, or you need to be able to take advantage of crazy one-two punches like the Elementals decks do with Ephemerate, like stuff like that. You've got to be able to throw a Haymaker in the first few turns of the game if you draw the right opening hand, and Jun was always more fair than that. I think part of it is also Jund is always waned and waxed, right? In the metagame, it's at a moment it's waxing. It has bad matchups against some of the best decks. It has good matchups against some of those decks as well, but not enough of them for it to be one of the better decks in the format. But it's still going to see play. Like there's a bunch of new cards that are really good for it, right? It's playing Duathi Voidwalker. It's playing Torok. It's playing Ragavan. Uh, so it's definitely going to be a, a feature of the format moving forward, and it's going to have moments where it's in now. Same as Heliod Company, right? We talked about it used to be the best deck of the format th- three months ago. It's not now, but that happened to the blue, white, green, the bl- blue, green, the white, green, black 
combo decks all the time. They would fall as, as soon as Birthing Pod was gone, it would fall in and out of favor depending on what the format looked like. Um, but it's like seeing as much play as the Enchantress deck is seeing, and that's a deck people are talking about, right? Like, so it, it I do think it drifts in and out on what's popular, what's not. Literally three weeks ago, Scape Shift and Amulet Titan decks were the top six decks in the format, and now they're not in the top ten. So it 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 I think the metagame is just shifting so much that it's hard, especially for fair decks, to be able to fight them. And the ones that are are going to be playing a lot more pound for pound counter magic because it's a little bit flatter of a way to fight things. Uh, but we'll 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 see where it goes. The last thing I wanted to talk about uh, for this show, unless you had something else you want to say on that. No, no, I was just going to okay. say that if you if you if you look at these same results and you reduce it down to the top five decks or top ten decks in the last week, you'll see that Burn is back in the mix here. It's the sixth. It's the sixth finishing deck there, and, and Blue White Control is much closer to the top. So. Um, you know, it's always changing. It's always shifting, which is the sign of a healthy metagame. I mean, that's exactly what you want to see. All right. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, and this is, this is a quick conversation and it's mostly just a brag. If we were to now, and it's, we were wrong as well, ranking the five incarnations. Okay. <laughs> in the metagame right now, number one, which I think was a surprise, but was also kind of like the safe bet on everyone's list. Endurance. Yep. Just like seeing pound for pound more play, partially just because it is such a powerful hate card that's in a lot of decks. Uh, I remember I bought uh, two copies from my uh, the local LGS and they were like twenty five to thirty dollars at the time. And the guy didn't even realize he was like, "Why is this card expensive?" He like his like brain didn't even register that this would have been a thirty dollar card. And I was like, "It's because it's like the most play great creature in the format." Um, next after that. We got solitude. That was everyone's kind of first pick. Not surprising yeah. everyone. It's ability to trigger with with ephemerate. Obviously, really powerful. Here's where I'll I'll be taking the uh, the, the I told you so's <laughs> to the world. Uh, Fury at number three. Everyone thought that was the worst one. There was so much hatred towards that card when it was printed. They thought it was another the next red, whatever the free spells from Honor Horizons one were. I was like, no, no, no. This card's insane. This is going to do a lot of damage. Here we are, number three on the list, followed very shortly, and I'll eat, I'll eat, I'll eat crow here. Subtlety, this was my pick for the worst one of the five. It's number four. I like four. Subtlety more than you for sure. And it's just below, it's just below Fury, but Fury's winning. The Fury is here. Uh, so Subtlety and it's terrible B. Why does that have a B in it? What a terrible Subtlety. word. What and a then, terrible and so, word. So that, means, so that means that grief is last, and that's such a crazy thing because when this all got pre- previewed, like... We didn't call grief number one, but it was like the solid popular pick by a lot of people to be the number one. Like people were so excited about that. Card. Not only is grief not 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 number one or is the worst of them, it's not like the other ones are all played in the top eleven cards in the format. Grief's down at thirty five. Grief is at thirty five. It's not even in yeah. the top thirty. It's not in the top twenty. It's in the top forty. It is it's behind just, giver of runes it and. Is, uh, and no, it, it is just between giant. Noble Hierarch and Tarmogoyf. So in defense of Grief, three years ago, Grief would have been the second best creature in the format. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think that, you know, probably, and, and then it's funny because it brings us back to what I was saying when we started talking about rate. Like, I think Endurance is a great example of Green didn't have a free, convenient way to do that, right? That's just green just didn't have that. They didn't have a really good pushed way to have that in your deck. They do now. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense that you would want that. It's especially good in this metagame. But like, honestly, when is getting rid of someone's graveyard not good in the modern metagame? That's like always been good and always will be good. Yeah. 
Um, it's not surprising to me. I, I have to say I'm a little surprised the subtlety is not last. I would have thought it would, given what we've described, it's, I don't, I know why. I know exactly why. It's because it's part of the, it's because it's part of the Shardless Agent deck. It's, and it's blue. one of, say what? It's because it's blue. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. And, but it also, it also, it, it uh, well, it's, it's fourth because like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue because of force of negation. And also it's necessary in those colors to be able to have another thing that you can have in your deck that's castable, but doesn't trigger off of cascade. Red, red, green, blue are the three most important colors to the elemental deck, to the um, cascade decks. And so it being blue is a, in the right colors B is uh, the, the just being able to pitch forcing nation as well, of course. And so like, it's just the right, it's the right color and it's not an impowerful effect, right? If you, if you are looking to play these things, if you're looking to play elementals or play things that get around the cascade thing, I will, I'll take this effect. That's something I didn't consider in my talking crap, right? Like you're not, you're not playing subtlety because you're looking for a free counter spell. There are better free counter spells. You're playing yeah. subtlety because it's a elemental that triggers things that you can play as an interactive spell that like you don't need to have as a two drop because you need to be able to cascade into something, right? Like I was comparing this to counter spell when I wasn't thinking, oh, but I'm going to be shardless agenting and I don't want to counter spell in that deck, right? That's right, that's right, where right. it came across. Or oh, I have Risen Reef in play and I want to trigger Risen Reef. <laughs> for sure yeah uh, and so like that's that's why it's the 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 most played one after after like and that's honestly why fury is there right it's also the best second best color if not the best color needed for those decks you need red green and blue and that's that's that one right and then like solitude to be honest solitude is actually the best one from that perspective because it's the one that it works with ephemerate, but it's the one that's seeing like the most wider amount of play. And, and those decks are forcing white in them so they can play with ephemerate right. so that they can play with solitude. That's how powerful this card is versus the other one, which is just like, Oh, these are the best ones in these colors. Like if fury, they're good too, right? Like same reason, but yeah, that, that, that's where I'm at. And I'm also glad. I'm glad they focused on making these all good as opposed to the cycle of forces right. in the last one. It's kind of a bummer looking back that that cycle of forces, they didn't do a slightly better job of just like making them all exciting. I mean, whatever. We got one really powerful one and a second one that's pretty powerful. But these all five are great. Like I like all five of these yeah. and I'm, I'm going to probably be playing all five of these for years to come. I think ranking the free spell cycles of the last year, the force one, force of negation, whatever, the, the, the Modern Horizons one is my least favorite. I think I would probably rank these as my most favorite. And then the yeah. commander one, the one that if you control your commander, you can cast them for free. I think those are all, all really good. Actually. I think those are pretty underrated. The fact that like give indestructible. I, I, I literally think that I, if I was going to rank all of these, I would put the commander ones number one by a mile. Like they're the like granted, like we're not a commander podcast here, but just first of all, like having a deck that I like to play cheaper commanders in that can play the free, if you control your commander, you don't even have to pay anything. You just get free negate. Like that already is just so good. <laughs> like it's just like it costs you nothing. Right. Uh, and then and then like the red one's amazing. It changes the target. Like the I, I play them all. I literally yeah, I yeah. play any deck that I can. Yeah. I play every all. Board. I think all five of them are extremely playable. Versus yeah. versus here where I agree you drop off. Though I think these are all playable, right? They're still all in the thirty five most played. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Even grief. I think grief also is hurt by Luros. Sure. Like the fact that the most played black creature, like in almost every focused black deck, 
they're like they don't want anything higher than a two drop creature i think that's also hurting it it's like the yes. opposite problem the other ones are running into um oh and like i think that is another feather in solitude's cap where solitude is so good people are willing to not play with loros yes to yes to play it right um all right so that is it for today's episode last but not least make sure that the like button like it ben will cry regardless just hit the like <laughs> button uh and then and then i want to comment i want your ranking of the three the three uh free free spells and if you want to add the other one add the original force of force uh force of will cycle give me all give me all of them rank all of them in the in the comments interesting one last thing before we finalize uh no primeval titan in the top in the top 50 most played creatures is that true primetime mm-hmm. is not in the top 50 top are you sure about on, that i'm literally looking at the list huh yeah yeah last little tidbit of information for all you friends in the in the in the world outside uh all right uh make sure to check out the patreon really helps us out i promise it really does monday commander streams every monday night 7 30 p.m pst kess wiley i'm at kess wiley and everything ben is at ben Bain media and everything i am making a bunch of tiktoks definitely check that out at kess wiley tiktok twitch twitter all three of those things instagram i've now made it so it's kess wiley on instagram not kess underscore wiley i figured out how to do that big moves for me in the last week uh and ben is going on tour released a music video is killing it in the music game where can people find all of that information mr bateman yeah, I did a whole big rebrand. I had this brand called Nerds and Suits for a long time I talked to you guys about, and I took that channel because it really had become a music channel, and I was mostly doing that there, and I changed it. So YouTube.com slash Ben Bateman is now, that's what it is. It's now my channel, and I put up my first music video this week, so you can check that out. Um, you can get tour tickets at BenBateman2021tour.com, um, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to be on the, on the road for about a month um right there in winter and i'm very very excited about that so uh check it all out and by the time you guys hear this i'm very excited about there will be a like a short form video on the channel that's like a metagame breakdown quick five minutes talking about the modern world and something that i'd wanted to start doing a bit more of reminds me a bit of the old days of uh 10 10 minutes of magic that i used to do on anchor and i want to start bringing some of that stuff to the channel here so if you're listening to this and you're like huh that sounds like a fun five minute thing to check out do us a favor check it out it's on the youtube channel youtube.com slash the mmcast and if you do, give a thumbs up, give a like, leave a comment. Let's build, build the channel, guys. Let's grow it out. So uh, thanks for watching what we do. And as I mentioned, there's cool stuff coming down the line. Yep. 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 All yep, right. Yep. All right. Uh, the poll has changed. Urza's Saga is now in the lead after no ban. Mm. Goes no ban, Urza's Saga, and then Raghavan and Bobble are tied. People all are right. on bans, though. Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.